Welcome back to Breakthrough, guys. My name is Ryan Ortega. And I'm Bert English. And at Breakthrough, we bring you guests that help you break through to the next day, to the highest level. This could be spiritually, mentally, um, financially, whatever it is, we're going to find the guests who are help. We're going to help you break through that hurdle. Today, we've got a very special guest, Rebecca Worrell. Now, Rebecca Worrell is definitely a breakthrough specialist. She's given me many breakthroughs in our conversations and in different scenarios and workshops that I've done of hers. And uh, she's an NLP practitioner, a hypnotherapist, a break, a break, a breathwork <laughs> practitioner. She does astrology workshops, she's a personal trainer, and a self-coach. She does one-on-one -on -one sessions to help you reach your highest potential. I always find that I'm limited by language in terms of labeling what I do. Even the word empowerment coach makes me cringe. The only word that I could come to close is a, a self-coach, but not a, self -coach. not a self-coach. It's like a, a coach people on their nature of self. So the self-development coach? Yeah, I yeah, guess so, yeah. but I'm even questioning into the self that it's we think is being developed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I even drove yeah. back a bit more. Yeah. The main thing that I think I love doing is I help people to liberate themselves mm. from their mind by inquiring into their true nature and who they are. So we look into who is okay. who is their identity, like who are you really? Mm. And a lot of that comes from Eastern philosophy. So I, I, I like to bring Eastern philosophy over to the West in a way that is understandable and practical. What Beautiful. I, do, okay. yeah. mm. I don't like putting things into boxes, but I know it's necessary to be able to, just for ease of communication. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, self-coach and the reason why I think I say self-coach is, you know, I, I don't coach on anyone on anything else apart from themselves. They might come in because of their relationship or their business or, or something. And for mm. me, it's less about the problem that they come in with and more about the person that thinks they have the problem. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Fair, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. yeah. What, what are some of the things that you see like occurring often with clients and workshops and things like that, people coming for help? What are they normally, what are they struggling with? Um, so I find that it's it's really often split between what they think the problem is and what the problem actually is. Mm -hmm. So I find um, often the presenting issues are things like um, even diagnoses like uh, anxiety, depression, um, ADHD or um, procrastination, self-sabotage. On the deeper level, things like issues with self-worth, mm. uh, attachment to external coordinates to deliver a sense of uh, worth internally, whether yeah. that's through achievement or opinions of other people or material gain. Mm. Um, so uh, there can be a lot of presenting problems there, but for me, uh, what it always comes back down to is a lack of inquiry or a lack of investigation into the self that has those problems. Mm. And I find that um, quite often, and I, do, I have done it, do do it, and will continue to do it, yeah. <laughs> we, we believe what the mind says straight away, like it's, uh, like it's absolute truth, right? Mm. We hear the mind saying, yeah, you know, I'm not worthy, I have this feeling of lack, of worth, and uh, this is my problem with the self-help industry is that I feel that we have capitalized on this concept of self-worth or this concept of self-love, or this concept of positivity, mm. um, like it's something that you have lost, like change in your yeah. pocket, it, like gone in the wash or something, and something that you can get back. 
So yeah, for exactly, me, yeah. when people come, oh, you know, I've, I've lost my self-worth and I want to find it again. And I was like, huh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, okay, so um, who, who, who is, who is the, the self that has lost the worth? And yeah. they're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, I was like, well, before we get into any of this, we should probably be quite clear on who, who's come like with these problems, sort of thing. And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you've got these, um, these thoughts, right? That that you you're unworthy and things like that. And they said, yeah. And I said, um, so and you want to feel worthy? Is that right? Is that kind of what you want to feel? And they said, yeah. And I said, okay. Well, we could go about this two ways. You could go down that path and try to find your worth, and maybe you'll find it. And that'll give you worth, or you know, how would you feel if um, if your mind wasn't saying those things about your worth? You know, is it actually you don't have worth, or is what makes you feel that way is hearing your mind say that? Yeah, <laughs> you know that they're programming mean? themselves with the yeah. language they use, and yeah, and they're, yeah, and they're okay. believing that. So I'll start to break down that paradigm. They're like, oh, well, actually, I guess if I, I guess if I just didn't hear that in my head, I'm not worthy. I guess then it, it won't, it wouldn't be a problem. I was like, yeah. So then yeah, it becomes less about climbing this mountain of finding the worth and all the books and all the things and starting to investigate and open up the relationship between us and the content of our mind. Yeah. Because your mind can say anything. And if you're going to believe it with worth, you're going to believe it with um, you're not good enough. You know, that's why they abandoned you. That's why they left. Your mind can say anything and you're going to believe it. So your problem is not with self-worth. Your problem is with your... Um, with yourself? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's 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 we, with your thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's where it starts to get really deep, right? Into yeah. the whole. Okay, well, if you're your thoughts, then who are you? The thinker of thoughts. Doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But but yeah. that that tends to be what they say, though. And I'm like, okay, so you're a thinker of your thoughts, right? And they're like, yeah. And I say, okay, so you think your thoughts? And they're like, yeah, yeah. It's like, are you sure? They're like, yeah. Well, I think so. <laughs> And then I'm like, okay, no, no, that's cool, that's cool. Um, so, so you think the thoughts of the self-doubt. And they're like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, but if you think them, does that mean you should just be able to stop them? And they're like, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, so can you stop them? And they're like, well, I'm sure I could if I tried. And I was like, well, you're here, so you've probably tried and you probably can't, right? Oh, okay. And they're yeah, like, okay, cool, so yeah, I can't, I can't stop thinking them. I said, okay, so do you think maybe you're hearing them? rather than thinking them, you know, because if, if I can turn a light switch on, that assumes I can turn the light switch off, right? If yeah. I can pick something up, that assumes I can put it down. But if, you, if I can't turn it off, then I shouldn't be able to turn it on. You know what I mean? Like if I've done one, you should be able to do the other. So it comes into a thing where the biggest realization can be that um, they're not actually the actual thinker of their thoughts, they're more of the listener mm. of their thoughts. Okay. And that can, yeah. open up so, that can open up so much, you know? You can, yeah, you're yeah. an observer of what's going on internally. Yeah, mm. you know, what's, what's the intention of your mind, you know, if that's not you, why do you think your mind might be telling you you're unworthy? Like, God forbid you're worthy, what would you do if you believed you were worthy that your mind would see as a massive, oh my God, that could potentially be disastrous? You might ask for their number, mm. you might buy that house, you might dress the way you want to dress, because God forbid you feel worthy and you do exactly what you want to do. Mm. And, and the, the thing that the ego is so afraid of, you know, happens, which a lot of the time is, is judgment or that lack of safety. Yeah, the you know? fear. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty smart, really. Like the mind will put you in that feeling of not feeling safe 
You judge yourself saying the things that you're afraid that other people will say to you so that you won't do the thing that you want to do to hear it from other people. Yeah. For what the mind's already saying to you. Yeah. (laughs) What is the root cause of that, do you think? Well, as far as I've found with my own investigating, and it depends on kind of whether you're going to Eastern philosophy or or Western Western kind of um, um, psychology, you know, the goal of the mind I've found is just for, for safety. And so not happiness, probably even less safety, more survival. Yeah, right? yeah. And I went, to a, uh, I went to a seminar once and the guy said, um, your ego wants to get you from, um, from the, the maternity ward to your deathbed safely. That's it. And if all it could do is, is defecate and eat and sleep, it would do that. That's all that it actually wants you to do. Anything else to the ego is extra. And so, you know, that depends on the ego's though idea of safety is created in the first seven years of your life. So whatever environment you found yourself in, that's going to be what is most familiar. Mm. You know, safety, familiar, survival. Because your parents help you to survive. The first seven years, you are so codependent on them to survive. You know, and your brain's learning like a sponge. This is what it means to survive. I need to do this to get food. I need to do this to get love. I need to do this to get my nappy changed. I need to do this to get them to put me down to bed. I need to do this not to get told off. I need to do this to fit in at school. Then we create this big thing of the patterns and the patterns we need to do and the things we need to be and the things we need to say in order to survive in the way that the brain has understood it in the first seven years of our life. You know? Damn. Yeah, damn. How would you go about, <clears throat> if it's someone who's never really delved into this kind of stuff, give, taking them through that journey, mm. how would you go about it? Like, what would you, what questions would you ask them to inquire about themselves or? The first thing I would say and ask is, you know, first of all, when it comes to my, my kind of coaching sessions or workshops, I think that uh, we need to just become aware of the content of our mind, you know? Yeah. Like, what is going on? Because if you don't know what the problem is or if you don't know there's a problem, how can we go about fixing the problem if you don't know what it is? And quite often I find people want to go straight to the solution of self-worth without looking at why they feel unworthy in the first place. Mm. And that can also be a very smart trip for the ego too. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, let's go straight to the, to the solution, the self-worth tip of the mountain. So I don't need to go down to the, the deeper, darker, repressed parts of myself, the darker thoughts, the ways that I behave that I might feel shameful about because it's not really me trying to be liked, cracking that joke that might be dissing someone else and you feel a bit shitty after because no one laughed so it wasn't even worth it and you wouldn't usually even say that <laughs> no. anyway if it was just you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. And, and it might even go things to like cheating or um, abuse and ways that we behave you know that aren't really us and if you can't look at that first if you can't start with self-honesty mm. right it's got to start there like if you can't start with self-honesty then there is nowhere for you to go because you can't even start with where you're at. People want to be over there. I want to be at self-worth. I want to be at self-love. I want to be over there. And it's like, but you're, you're totally keeping in the blind spot what put you there in the first place. Or That's all in the dark. Mm. We've got to put that in the light first. 
see what is the problem let's look at the landscape like what is going on in here like out there what i can see here in, in front of us right you know the microphone you guys the chairs the table the bottles what is the landscape inside of me and nothing here i take personal that's a microphone you know that's a mannequin that's a bottle that i can look at it right that's what i'm looking at and i'm the one that's looking so when you have the courage to actually look at the landscape inside then i might say okay well can you feel now that space between the content of your inner body like your thoughts imagine i'm looking at my thoughts and my emotions and my experiences and images in my head right now and behaviors if you're able to look at that there must be two right yeah you can't be looking at something and be the thing that the looker is looking at <laughs> you'd be looking at your own yeah. eye without a mirror and you can't do that Yeah, no, right. that's true. Yeah, yeah, can yeah. you you can't do a knife can't cut itself a tongue can't taste itself you know if you're going to be observing something there must be two that's yeah, be yeah. the observed and the observer yeah and so that already within five minutes can create a massive sense of liberation it's got nothing to do with spirituality it's got nothing to do with ast- astral projection it's got nothing to do with um, challenging religion and I'm constantly saying back to my clients tell me if that feels right in your experience and and so far they haven't said no because they can't they can't deny it that they they are observing the thought okay can you see that you are the one observing and then there is the thought you know yeah and then they're like oh wow and sometimes that's enough yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, sometimes yeah. that's enough and that pondering and then they're like driving all the way home like <laughs> who am i like who is the one watching because they've never done the foundation of even realizing that there there is there is that separation there yeah, and yeah. that's what a lot of eastern philosophy shows you that there's the there's the content of the mind and then there's the self that experiences it you know yeah. and it's as impersonal as the bottles on the table as you know your emotions are to you it's impersonal I can't control that bottle of orange juice there the way it's standing there and the way it looks and stuff. I can't control my thoughts or my emotions to that same extent. I can influence it. I can knock that bottle over and I can do things to influence my mind and my emotions, but at the same time, you know, one of the hardest things to accept is we can accept quite easily that I can't control the way you're doing this and I can't control the way you're doing that. Yeah. I can I can at some level accept that, right? Um, if you say something mean to me it might be even harder cuz i really want to control what you're saying this way we try to control people's perceptions of us yeah. right but at some level we might feel defeated enough to realize we have no control over anyone else but what's even harder to con- accept is that we actually aren't even in control of things within our own self thoughts yeah. emotions anxieties living in the past living in the future and um i feel like we don't want to go to that place of um accepting that we're not in that control you know because if there's two when we first we acknowledge look at the landscape okay we draw the landscape then we recognize there's two oh shit if there's two i'm the one that's looking that's what i'm in control of mm. i'm actually not in control of what i'm looking at so it can be this really beautiful roller coaster of emotions you're like i'm not my thoughts and you're like oh fuck i'm not my thoughts and you realize like <laughs> So this this coaching session that I went to enter in with you to change the thing that I can't control. <laughs> I realize that I can't do that. Yeah. So that would be where I start. Okay. And then that same place we come back to forever. Like forever. Cuz 
the spiritual ego we know right like the spiritual ego is a funny thing like it will it'll really get you on that path to enlightenment you know yeah and then it's like yeah like for what though to to what because quite often when we're moving towards something Mm. it can be the purpose to move away from something you know oh enlightenment yeah Yeah. i wonder what you're moving away from you know so then the the ego like feels a bit naked because you've taken the you've taken Mm. the mask off um so it's this coaching is a not coaching coaching with me is a beautiful paradox but this whole journey is a beautiful paradox i think you got it and then you don't have it you realize you don't have it True. Yeah, there's it's, a lot to learn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so I think what's important for me is to deliver this experience to people, whether it's um, someone on their own, in a workshop, on a YouTube video, in a way that isn't labelled as spirituality or as this or as that. I want it to be widely accessible, and it, mm. it is widely accessible because like we all breathe, we all think thoughts. No, that's, again, grammatically incorrect. We all experience thoughts. Oh, yeah. We all experience emotions. We all experience things. But I feel that it's beautiful, though, because so many um, spiritual practices have become quite mainstream, a lot more accepted. Yeah. Perhaps that wouldn't have been the case if we kept it quite logical and just to our experiences I did then. But it's starting to sweep, as everything does, to the other end of the pendulum when it's yeah. like the spiritual people and the non-spiritual people. And I want to create that blend where you can have a spiritual experience through everything that we're talking about, but I don't even need to mention that word, mm. spirituality. Because yeah. As soon as I mention that word... You're already coming up with your own ideas of what that means, you know. The labels are yeah. tarnished, I suppose. Yeah, like yeah. if anyone said the word God to me before I was 19, you're officially like not talking in my head. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I grew up barrier. with yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I grew up with what I experienced as quite um, you, smothering. This is how yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's, exactly, that that's exactly it. And even, I know we've talked about that. Quite even a when lot. I heard the word Jesus, it was just like. But now, like, I look at his teachings and I really accept accepting of it and I try to pull the, the essence out of it and I really appreciate, like, his life and his teachings. But back then, it was sort of like, oh, fucking Jesus smugglers, you know what I mean? They were trying to... <laughs> they were Jesus trying to bring smugglers. it in, yeah. Like, no matter what happened, it's like, come back to Jesus and God, I'm like, come on, man, like, stop doing that. Like, it just annoyed me. You can feel that, but, you can feel that wrench in your stomach, right? I can feel like, it even now, yeah. Yeah, like, and, and, and I do too, and, and that's cool. And, um, and, and same thing with, you know... Uh, that's the thing when, when you start to put things in labels our past experience and our own perceptions that we might have created to kind of defend ourselves from feeling a bit you yeah. must believe it God I created this barrier that was like fuck God fuck Jesus none of that exists like yeah, you know so if yeah. anyone tried to say anything about it even if they're just talking about it I'd be like, you're trying to convert me to be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Paranoid. Like, <laughs> yeah. Off the cults. Yeah. yeah my, and on my mum's side is, um, is Catholic and Christian. And um, I remember I got a, a, uh, a book. I'm dog obsessed. Like, I love animals. I love um, dogs so much. Mm. And I remember she gave me a book. And it was like um, dog stories. But... Um, I, I read dog stories, but it said dog parables. Oh, okay. So what it is, is it's the like parables and stuff and stories from the Bible oh. using mm. dogs to illustrate the stories. And I'm like, no, no. And this is coming up, coming up. Oh, I've never thrown that book so hard yeah. in the bin. No, I didn't throw it in the bin. I kept, I kept it on the bookshelf. I was like, Look, I love the dogs. But it was a really, um, now that I actually say it, it was quite a beautiful, um, uh, twist that the universe sent me like yeah, something yeah. I love so much but as soon as I realized it was like Christian like 
the Bible and stuff, I was like, what? And then I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite grasp how I could love something so much because it had dogs, but it was something that I hated so much, which was Christianity, you know? Yeah. And I find that that's that blend, right? Like it's, it doesn't... The shame that's happened, huh? Hey? Yeah. That push of God has actually pulled people away from God inadvertently. Oh man, it's a, it's a, it's a very um, dividing topic, mm, yeah. you know? It's, and it's just um, the, the word, the use of the word God, to be honest, like, if someone comes up and tells you, oh yeah, um, God, you're like, oh, what the fuck? But if you actually think about it in the grand scale of things, the God is a lot more than just the word. Yeah, mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like, before when we were thinking about like religion and um, yeah, just religions in general, it's just kind of those attachments to those labels and how they their practices. Whereas now, when we think about God, when you start, actually started learning, you think about God in like more of a very vast space. Like God is like extensive. Like He's not just a label. We some people would describe Him as energy or spirit. Whereas if you if we were taught that when we were younger, instead of Christianity like being pushed down your throat, it would be totally different. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same with me. Like my my family is super duper religious. Like my mom got me a Bible for my birthday. <laughs> that, that, that was like a Yay. what the fuck moment. Like, he was just like a message. Do you think like I need saving or some shit? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you so much. Yeah, and, like. And to her, it was probably the best thing. Like, you're going to love it so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, her intention was pure, the most purest intention. But to me, it was just like a huge defense mechanism where like, I like curled up and I was like, I was a little bit like angry and agitated. I was like, bro, what are you trying to say? Like, overthinking. And you have these thoughts that are just coming out, just these thoughts that are in your brain, and you're overanalyzing the whole situation, and you're like pretty much worrying, like what is her perception of her son? Mm. You know what I mean? That that was like, that was a huge moment for me. It was like, what is, what is her perception of me? Is it like I'm going through some very dark path where she feels like? The only way for me to save my son is to give him the Bible. Maybe the, 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 <laughs> this Maybe is the way. <laughs> yeah, this is the way we show him the light. I was just like, damn. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Like mm. it, it's like it showed me a lot. Taught me a lot about myself. But I'm not gonna lie. I've never read that Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom. I never read that Bible. That's um. I think that's why I love so much. Um, you know the metaphor of. If you get someone that's a hyper-realist painter, right, and they they paint a uh, painting of the moon, it's still, you can teach a kid, this is the moon, this is what the moon looks like, but it's still just a painting of the moon. It's not the moon itself, you know. And I find that we do that a lot, not just in religion, but with everything. We take a word and we take it that 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 is it, you know, that God is, that is it you know, rather than it being so much more, you know, vast than what the word or the meaning can can at all fit. It's like trying to fit the ocean in a cup. Yeah, trying yeah. to deliver the potency and the beauty of the moon or of love mm. in, in, in like a description or in a painting versus the experience of it, the experience of God or the experience of love, or even the experience of riding a bike. It, like riding in a book, stage by stage, this is how you ride a bike. And, you know, you can think of a shock of a kid if that's the only way he ever learned to ride a bike and then he actually got on a bike 10 years later and he's just like, this is not, the, like, yeah. what? it's totally different. to It's exactly what you said it was logically, but the experience is totally, totally different, yeah. you know? 
and yeah, it's been a journey, like having to be very honest with myself. And I was like, damn, like I've got a lot of um, a lot of blocks and barriers that stop me connecting with my mum because every time she names the word God, like I think that that's it, that's the finite thing of it. Oh, it's a man, it's it's a person, and you know there are, and there are a lot of people that that feel that way, and that, yeah. and I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But for me, as soon as I realise that the the way we say something or the way we point to it. You know, it's like pointing to a painting. We're not actually, we can only point and allure ourselves, refer to the thing that it is. We can't actually, you know what I mean? We can't yeah. actually say yeah. it and, and, and encompass it. It's impossible. You can't put mm. the ocean in a cup. You can't. Yeah, yeah, no, you know? that's true. Yeah. It, it's a part of it, but it's, it's, not, a, it's not enough. How, how has your concept of the greater reality, the spiritual world and God like evolved over time to where it is now? Is it still sort of unfolding mm. or is that... Making your comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, that's yeah. It for me, um, uh, probably one of the most life-changing um, experiences that I've had. I've had three. That sounds really specific, but on on the experience of um, uh, what they call um. So in Japan, they have two different words. There's one, Satori and Kensho. Have you guys have heard that I've before? Heard of Satori, yeah. Yeah, well. yeah. So Satori... Satoshi. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Satori can refer to um, enlightenment through, like, surprise. Or, like, it just, it just lands on you out of nowhere. Mm. It's not even that you were seeking it. It's not even that you meditated for just enough time and the thing you were seeking, you finally got. It literally lands on you. And then Kensho is when it lands on you through suffering. Almost like when you are on your knees, so humble, finally accepting the fact that maybe you're not in control, you're feeling depressed, you're out of control of your life, and you you very authentically give up the pursuit of the thing you've been pursuing for so long. And in that humble uh, moment, Kensho will send itself onto you and you'll have this experience of enlightenment. And um, so for me, that happened to me in both of those, um, the Satori... I was literally um, driving to, I was working at Good Life. I remember driving to Good Life and I remember thinking something really random. And I just thought, because um, <laughs> I'd always hear the concept that, you know, you are everything. Mm. And I, I remember just thinking, man, when I'm driving my car, I'm like, man, imagine if, like, if I'm like, driving inside myself right now. It's like, if everything is me, imagine I'm like driving through myself. And I was thinking really messed up stuff. Like, this is my, the road is like my, my intestines. And like, this is like the walls and the dreams. And it was really weird. And then all of a sudden it was like this, this moment of, uh, I was me. Rather than me in a car driving on a road to work, I was me in a me, driving on a me to me. Yeah. I was everywhere. And... Uh, I was crying, like I remember having these tears streaming down my face, like couldn't couldn't even control it, and I wasn't even like like crying. I just these tears, these tears of joy because I I I felt not even I felt there was no me to feel. I was just everything, like I couldn't even. I remember seeing the Westfield sign at Carousel and being like, oh, like it was just like beautiful and everything yeah. was so beautiful and the lights down from red to green were so beautiful. And it was so, um, and again, it wasn't like I, I was con- you know, um, consciously pondering something to have that experience. It just landed on me. Mm. And, um, and then the other time was I was listening, I was meditating in the backyard and I was listening, I was outside sitting on the grass and I had my eyes closed and there was this breeze 
and I was listening um, to the birds and just kind of doing a technique of just listening to sounds, expanding the awareness a little bit further out, so a metre, five metres, the next suburb, the next city, and I remember hearing everything in my garden, and, um, and I had this experience of, of um, I was listening to a bird in a tree over there, and I remember sitting there, and I remember feeling, I have no perception of over there that the, the, if I heard a thought in my head, it is happening here. And the, the sound of that bird chirping is also happening here. I'm not hearing it over there. Mm. I'm hearing it here. And then the breeze, I'm not feeling it from over there. I'm feeling it here. And anything that I would hear, I wasn't hearing it where it was. I was hearing it in this one space. So it's almost like my, my skin dissolved. And the, the space that separated inside me, thoughts, emotions, and outside me, content, world, trees, birds, mm. dro- dropped, like, in a second. And there was just space. And it was that same experience of everything was me. And I, and I, and I f- was having this, this, this moment of, um, I could be all the way over in the savannah, or I could be over in Antarctica, I could just be in my garden. I, wa- I was the breeze, and I was... The bird and I almost was space not just mm. space here but space that was in the whole universe and everything was happening inside of me mm. so after I was having some of those experiences how that has changed my perception of God and the universe and consciousness is that um, beyond my separate sense of self is and I could probably just leave it at that like beyond my sense of separateness is everything else as well as well as me yeah so the most potent things for me have been when i've experienced this um any sense of self any self-image any past any future any name age anything that defined me as being separate to someone else or even a tree um when that fell through i have i experienced the most if you want to call it love the most oneness the most um um Unify is unifying, and that there that those experiences have changed my life mm. for always. Yeah, and so that's how my interpretation of God has has changed. Yeah, wow. it's the the it, the it's like an it's an, an isness. Yeah. yeah, it's an isness. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever tried describing this to to your mom or parents? Um. My dad would have been the best person. Um, my mum, I don't know. I feel like when I go to have a, a conversation with my mum about something, um, she's very clear at the beginning. She's like, I know you call it universe and I call it God, but that's because we're different and I know that's okay and stuff. But sometimes when she pre-frames it like that, makes me hold back okay. because oh, okay. I just feel like it's not necessary. We don't, I'm, it's cool. Like I don't feel like we need to have that. Um, and I find that, my dad probably would be the best because my dad was a musician all the drugs you can think of like like um atheist so my mom wanted to get me like baptized when i was born my dad how did they mean yeah yeah yeah. my dad my dad (laughs) my dad toured over to australia with the stones actually in 73. yeah so he was a supporting band yeah in the 73 at the wacker and then um that would be insane lifestyle yeah yeah 
Yeah. I like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually on YouTube. If you go on YouTube, it's a, it's got no audio or anything, and you see yeah. Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger there. Like after my dad plays, so funny. Um, my dad, not Mick Jagger, he's amazing. My dad's yeah. funny. Um, and yeah, then my dad did like a couple gigs around Perth, and then my mum was waitressing at one of the the clubs, and they met there oh, when okay. he was performing, and then he yeah, and then that was that was it from there. Yeah. So my wow. dad was very, yeah, had like LSD, like they would do, they would create these massive like joints called like a, yeah, like a Jeffrey, you've probably heard of it before. Yeah. It's got everything in it. And so he, he's all, all of those things. Um, so my wow. dad always Damn. is very open-minded. Um, but the paradox of that is that, yeah, he's actually got dementia now. And he, well, he's had dementia my whole life, dementia and delirium and psychosis my whole life. And yeah. I never, I never knew. Mm. And um, yeah, he's completely incapacitated now. Like he can't hold a conversation. He can't um, like, like, like nothing. And so it's really interesting that kind of really sad, but you know, um, paradox that that is there, that I felt that the one that I could talk about this most with was having all this stuff going on yeah and then my mom who's very very alert very intelligent very present can very have coherent conversations i found myself withdrawn a little bit so my dad would be the best person um but he wasn't um like intellectual intellectually and cognitively able to like uh retain that information because he was there was there was delirium paranoia every he was very stuck in the land of separation yeah. us them us and the government even yeah. you know like and that that's what happens in um, when you've got you know paranoia and delirium and dementia they tend they can go like a bundle yeah um, so yeah so to answer your question I haven't spoke about it in length with my mum I think I could I've talked to her a lot about my plant medicine um, yeah. journeys because I'm low key like please do mushrooms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you reckon she will? Yeah, yeah. I reckon yeah. she yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, yeah. Be, that'll be a very, very, very big breakthrough for her. Yeah. yeah. And I just yeah. this is just this this um, where we can't. There's no arguing over this is God or that is. I was like, you can call that God. I'm going to call it mushrooms. You, know, you can call it mushrooms. Like it is what it is. Like, um, but it's that experience, right? That um, she's not had before. And my dad had had, I feel like that so much of that opened him up. I mean, it probably messed him up as well. It was more mm. like the cocaine, weed every day and things like that. But the plant medicine, the, the experience he told me he's had on LSD and, and psilocybin is amazing. Um, my mom has, as far as I'm concerned, she has had mushrooms before, but environment is everything. Yeah, yeah, And she's is, touring is. around with a musician. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. So I would love for her to have that. And maybe during that experience, I would share with her those experiences so that yeah. I've had. Yeah, because I would also be in a position to be a bit more open to share you know because i've got to take responsibility for my walls up yeah, too yeah. so yeah yeah, mm. yeah I wow think, i think that space is very hard to like navigate if with your with your parents at least yeah because i think my mom is pretty religious super christian as well and there's like some things that you want to mention to I, w I would like to mention to her however because she's very super duper religious and i do understand for me it was more like there's the, some things I wouldn't venture into because it it brings pure hope for her. Like, it's a very hopeful journey for her. Otherwise, at least, considering everything that's going on right now, I think that's one of the most important things to probably have is hope. Mm. Because if you don't have that, what else do you really have? You know what I mean? That's beautiful. And um, I think 
in our family, we didn't really have access to certain, we probably have had access to it, but because it was just so ingrained in our, like, gen, in our generation, it's venturing into like alternative forms of medicine or alternative forms of thought or um, breaking out of that religious world. It's very difficult. And my grandma is exactly the same. So for me, like doing that is something that I really want to do. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, what if it withers that hope for her, mm-hmm. even as beautiful as it is? Like, you know, you realize, you growing to experience God in a, in a, Great understanding, it's great understanding, or you're just experiencing God in a diff- different way. Because I feel like when you look at God as some omniscient, om- omnipotent being who sits in a chair, it kind of separates you from God. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking that you're a, you're separate from God, and you will never truly be able to reach that level of purity, the level of lights, and that level of love because you're separate from Him. Separate from Him, so you're you're beneath Him. And I kind of believe that God. God gave you a piece of him, so you are technically a piece of the universe, piece of God. Mm-hmm. So you're not really separate from him. You're a law of, you're an evolving version of him, but if once we put that glass door, we put that boundary between yourself and God, you don't really, you're, you're keeping yourself from truly experiencing That's it. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I struggle with Christianity quite a lot, when they say like, um, or your man is fallen, man is virtually a sinner, man is dark, all these things, like, and you're just some filth being, essentially. That's what they yeah. label it yeah. as. Well, even my stepdad does it when he talks about it. He's always just like, no, man is fallen, they're sinners, they're this and this and this, and it's like, whoa, man, like, just calm down. I don't think that at all. Like, yeah. I honestly think that everything around us is energy, like our world, our bodies, but we are consciousness, and God is consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we're, it's all just one yeah. at the end of the day. I love that. I had yeah. a really interesting, um, and again, <laughs> it's funny because it is, but um, I'm not meaning um, any kind of offence to um, Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. but I had a Jehovah's Witness that came to my door, right? Okay. Uh, and, usually I I, and usually I'm like, like I, don't, I, won't say, um, I won't say like anything, I'll just be like, no thank you and whatever. And I remember I was like, you know what, I've got some questions. Yeah, since, yeah, you know, yeah. Wrong house, mother. <laughs> 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 so funny. And I opened the door, right? And I opened the door, and I'm just like, hey, you know, and he's, you know, saying, um, and it was the same one as what I had when I was living down the hill. And the first thing they said was, um, do you believe in a world of no suffering? And I was like, um, well, it depends what you mean. And they're like, they've given me like a pound. Yeah, you always feel sorry for this guy already. Yeah. So, and he was a really nice guy. And I was just like, you know, he looks great and stuff. And I was like, he's come to my house. He's been called here. So I was like, yeah. okay. So, um, okay. And then and I, I'm genuinely like, I love sidetrack me for questions. I love questions. Questions are just oh, because it makes you look for the answer. Okay. Yeah. And quite often I found the best questions, there isn't an answer for them. You know, what is God? <laughs> you know, again, you're very limited to what you could say, even mm. though your definition before is amazing. Mm. Um, it's very limited to what you can say. And also when it comes to things like beliefs, okay, well, what, you know, like, yeah, you really believe that this class of people is better than you, okay, why? And even things like why, 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 mm. yeah, you end up yeah, running yeah, out. Yeah, if yeah. it doesn't come from the core of your being, and okay, well, my, my, well, this thing happened to me, and you end up getting to the core of where that came from. So anyway, mm. I love questions. Um, so 
I was asking, okay, so yeah, well, without suffering, um, I was like, okay, well, it depends what you mean. And they were like, oh, well, no suffering because soon Jesus is going to descend down or God is going to descend down and, and get rid of all the sinners and all of the, the bad people and, and all everything in the world and there will be no suffering. And I was like, oh. Um, so they're speaking to someone, me, who was vegan for four years and, and vegetarian for four years. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, so like um, suffering. So... Um, so you mean like physical suffering, right? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, um, uh, but what about, I was like, but lions eat, you know, what about the lambs and stuff, you know, or, or gazelles? I said, gazelles are still going to be suffering, right? Because lions are still going to be getting gazelles. And, mm. you know, we can't deny suffering. Pain is a type of suffering, right? Yeah. So I was like, what kind of suffering are we talking about? All suffering. I was like, okay. So gazelles, they're not going to suffer anymore. I was like, really? A gazelle's not going to suffer anymore. They were like, no. And I was like, dang, how? And they were like, whoa, you know, the lions won't kill them. And I was like, wow. So won't the lions suffer? And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, what are lions going to eat? And I was like, well, they were like, well, they'll eat grass. I was like, pretty sure they can't eat grass, mate. I'm pretty sure that's suffering. And they are like, oh. Well, they'll, God will figure something out where everyone can live in peace and all the sinners will be gone. And I was like, oh, sinners. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, because, you know, when, um, when God created Adam and Eve and he created Adam and his isness and he created the Eve and when he created the tree of um, the fruit, right? And, um, and he told Eve not to eat from the tree. And when she ate from the tree and she committed that sin and that's what produced sinners, right? I was like, okay, hold up, back up. I was like, okay, so God created Adam and Eve, right? And you're telling me that Eve chose to eat from the tree, even though God told her not to. He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. And um, you're telling me that sinners that are going to be gotten rid of are people that choose to rape, people that choose to cause abuse, people that choose to cause things that are um, not God's will, right? They're like, yeah. I was like, okay. And they only started doing that after Eve ate the fruit. He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. So if God created them in his likeness, Eve chose to eat from the tree. So wasn't she sinning before she ate from the tree? And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? And I was like, well, God gave her the choice. She was able to make the choice, right? Mm. And I was like, he told her not to. And I was like, he told her not to, but she had the choice to eat from the fruit. So the, the, the ability to commit sin was inherent in her before the, the, her eating the fruit from the tree spread sin everywhere. And I was like, so really God created them in his likeness and gave, said, don't eat from the tree, but she, she still chose to eat from the tree. The tree yeah. And he was like, I was like, so when did the sin actually start? Because it started before she ate from the tree because she was already sinning before that. And he was like, well, and I was like, well, it must have started from God then when he made them. And that, that's true. That's true, damn. In Isaiah and he was like, oh, this is what he said. Um, so... I'm actually not sure about the answer of that. I'll have to go back and talk to my minister and I'll, I'll be back next week. <laughs> He's going to be riding his bike. Never, <laughs> never saw him ever again. That's where it stopped. And I was just asking questions like, what do you mean suffering? What do you mean? And, and there, he couldn't give an answer. And um, so, yeah, for me, I was just like, okay, cool. Um, so you answered my questions, but then you, you couldn't. So for me, you that your knowledge there has like ran out. This has come yeah, from elsewhere. Yeah. This hasn't come from you as yeah. a core belief. No one can tell me. When it comes to animal welfare, animal abuse, like there's just this part in me where 
that is like ride or die. Like that will never, ever, never change for me. Yeah. And it's not because some, someone told me. It's just this feeling mm. when I see and feel an animal getting that injustice, that hurt or torture. There's just something within me that just that it, it just it pains me so much. And you can ask me as many questions as you want into that, and I'll never be able to. I'll never be able to budge with that. And I think mm. that questions are really helpful in getting you to know what are my beliefs and what are not my beliefs. You know, like where do my beliefs come from? You know, and then it's really interesting because then you're like, oh shit, the things I thought I believed in maybe from day dot, I maybe haven't always believed for that long. You know, mm. if you're open to that kind of that inquiry yeah, yeah. into yourself, you know, and I think me personally, I struggle a lot when it comes to Sadhguru and um, Alan Watts and Muji and um, the Eastern philosophers. But this is why I love them so much is that when we talk about everything as oneness, right, and those experiences that I had with everything as oneness, I can tap into that experience of knowing that I am the dog that is being abused by the Chinese butcher for like the, the Yulin dog eating festival that happens every year. I can tap into that and I can see myself as the, that, the dog and I can see myself as the person committing the abuse. And I can also look into, okay, people commit these, hurt people hurt people, right? Mm. And I read into it, I thought, why would people do that? And I read how expensive livestock is in China and the conditions that they're living in. When you've got a festival every year where you could steal meat from another person's yard and make money off of it to feed your family, people will okay, do that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They're stealing literally dogs. Like you'll be holding your dog's leash outside a shop. They'll go by on bikes and they'll grab the leash and they'll drag and they'll take the dogs. They'll set up bear traps, like everything. Oh, damn. That's it's, crazy. Yeah, yeah. The That's way that they do the dogs, I think, just not that, sorry. Um, the Yulin trade, it happens every yeah, June in, in China. It's it's um, it's horrific. Yeah, mm. it's horrific. Because it's not, it's, not it's not even humane, the way that they do things. So there's a part of me that um, would really... Um, struggle because at one point I was like no I need to get rid of anywhere that I'm seeing separation or rage for someone else and where I stop is always at animal welfare yeah <laughs> like I, I, I feel like I can't get rid of that and at one stage I don't feel like I have to like there's Shoot enough yeah. there's enough space within me to acknowledge that everything is one but that doesn't mean I'm gonna sit by life passively yeah. for some reason in this life I've been imbued with like overwhelming sensitivity to the abuse of animals and I have enough space to, if I was ever in China and I saw that, I can have love for both beings, but very firmly and assertively stand up for what I feel is just and right in yeah. this sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, so that's been something that's been a challenge for me is, yeah, looking at um, what beliefs I still have space for yeah. in yeah. my... You know, There's definitely a lot, of, a lot of darkness in the, in the world that you can see. Yeah. And obviously things that just violate universal law, like animal cruelty is one of them. Like I remember the Japanese were doing this thing every year with the dolphins where they would just like massacre the dolphins and round them up. I'm just like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, oh, really? Sometimes they don't even keep them. They just leave them dead in the water. It's like, so, like a sporting well, event. why? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm not, nothing against like any yeah, country, yeah. but this is what's happening over there. And that just makes me repulsed. Like that, that's just a complete and utter, it's evil. It's yeah, evil yeah, for yeah. no reason whatsoever. And they call it sport over. This is done all over the world. But that feeling of rage or whatever it may be that you're getting there, it's just like, that's completely natural. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't need to be rid of. What you need to get rid of is that activity. And people mm -hmm. like us that feel that way should obviously take steps towards it. Whatever we can to raise the awareness to remove those things, mm -hmm. you know, which is very yeah. difficult to do. Like how do you start cleaning up 
the entire planet from everything. It's just, it seems like a monumental task. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you realise there's people like more people like us who are waking up and becoming more aware. And as we, as you said, I think it was like as you let our light shine, other people's light shines as well. And that's bringing in that balance, so to speak. But I, I take a lot of pride doing it in the spiritual work, bringing in the light, bringing in the awareness, because the only problem that really exists is the problem of the mind, the problem of yeah. the heart. Like people aren't feeling, they're not thinking, and that's where all this darkness comes from. This complete ignorance. Mm. You know, like I'm sure if that person knew, who was taking the dog to the market, if he could have the experience of feeling what the dog would feel, he wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was his yeah. child. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And that sounds grim, but. Like, yeah, it, yeah, is, yeah. it is it what it like is, a, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I remember, and this is um, off topic, but not, I was in Woolworths car park the other day, and I don't know what it was, I love these moments, but I don't consciously create them, I saw lots of people in tradie, tradie uniform, and um, some mums with kids, and I was in the car park, I was walking back through the car park, and all of a sudden, I just um, had the think, I was like, had the thought, imagine if I looked at everyone as their inner child. And then all of a sudden I saw this little tradie and he was like five-year-old tradie with his little lunchbox <laughs> and walking with his little lunchbox. And I saw like a mum with her child and they were both children. They were like holding hands and one was opening the boot and putting the shopping in. And, and I was seeing like this old man and it was like a, a kid with a walking stick. And, and I saw them all as their inner child and I was like, man, you know, um, there are some things that we would say to adults when they would offend us or things like that that we wouldn't say to a child. And I think, okay, well, why? In whichever space of that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, when it comes to when I said, you know, imagine if that was his child, yeah, there's just that um, that lack of compassion, right? And I totally understand. From my perspective, I have no problem with the cycle of life. Yeah. Things have to die. Trees mm-hmm. have to shed their leaves and we have to die as well my problem isn't things dying my problem is um some beings exerting power over others and where there you know there there is torture and suffering involved that is inflicted for the benefit of one and the demise for the other you know what i mean that's when i have a problem no circle of life i have no problem grass-fed meat kangaroo i have no problem eating that but when it comes to the way that the agriculture and mm. everything, the dairy industry, that everything is treated, it's a whole different ballpark. It is, yeah. It is, it's yeah. a whole different ballpark. You this know? thing, like, the little cages that the cow lives in that just eats, like, a bucket of, like, GMO corn or whatever, and a machine that milks it, like, impregnates it, and just, that's, you can't, you can't even fathom, like... Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah. How, yeah, how some of the farms are really just, like... They do, yeah, um, the, no chi- like the chickens, like um, the chickens, they cut their beaks off and that's where all the nerve endings are, right? So they cut their beaks off because um, they're, they're in such close proximity, they attack each other because th- they don't have any room. Mm-hmm. They literally will slice their beaks off with a, with a grinder, no anesthetic, no nothing, yeah. for their gain because I don't want you to attack the other chickens because we've got to... Sell, we've got to sell them for me, mm. you know, and the awful things like cows being pregnant, like they're pregnant, every time they have a baby, they will impregnate them straight away again. Like their like legs are almost breaking because they're constantly holding, weight, constantly yeah. holding that weight. Even though I walked into a makeup um, store the other day and it broke my heart because I'm not someone that's very, um, I don't buy makeup all the time. I'm not yeah. someone that tends to go shopping all the time. Mm. But I went in, I was like, okay, yucka. Yeah, it's actually just after I split from my relationship last year. I've got to 
get some makeup now. Yeah. And um, and I went into Mecca, which is one of the biggest yeah. um, stores. It has every beauty brand in there that you thought, right? She looked at my skin tone. What kind of thing do you want? I was like, you know, something light. Do I want it cakey? And she brought back these products. And I was like, oh, I forgot to say, can it be um, cruelty free? Not not test on animals. And she was like, oh. And I was like, is that okay? She was like, yeah. Um, I'm just gonna have to like look around. How hard it was. She brought me back like a five percent of what she had, what she could have brought oh, me. Damn, it yeah. was it was so it was so hard for her to find cruelty free makeup. And if it was cruelty free, it might not have been vegan. This is the thing. If it's vegan, it doesn't mean it's cruelty free. So if something's vegan with makeup, it has no animal product in it, but they can still test that on animals to death. And when they test on animals, they don't test to see if there's a skin reaction. They'll keep testing the chemical that is being tested until they die to know what the lethal dose is. They do it be beagles. They do it with beagles. They, they put smoking with cigarettes. They put cigarette at one end. They'll have a tube and a cone strapped over their head and they will have that beagle continuously smoking cigarettes until death to know, what the lethal, to know what the lethal dose is. Body moisturizer. Yeah. Um, shower gel, uh, hair products, like everything, like and, and no one shows that on the fucking bottle. Mm. Can you believe that we're in a, we're in a society right now where you have to say that something is cruelty free? Mm. It should it it should be the other way around. If if it's testing on animals until death, it should have that on there. Yeah. Because now it's this big thing. Oh, cruelty free. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, mm. oh, vegan. Like, oh, cruelty, cruelty free. Like, it's happening. Not even in Asia anymore. It's happening here in Australia. There are puppy farms everywhere. You know these the beagle beagle puppy farms, like for, for 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 lab testing. They're having these babies, and because they never come and feed them or anything, these bloody beagles are being trapped in these metal cages. And there's thousands of them in there. Their hearing is so good that that some of them go deaf. Their eardrums will like burst because of how loud the constant noise is. They have puppies where they've given birth, puppies that are just lying dead with like their guts open in the in the thing and all. Can you imagine how traumatizing that is for an animal, like mm. and being kept in that cage and then and then being like tested on and f for your life? Okay. We're doing that for makeup, mm. for makeup. And it's That's almost crazy, yeah. I think nowadays it's almost a deliberate choice to do that. There's plenty of ways not to do that. Mm -hmm. Some of these corporations are just blatantly evil. That's it. When it, comes to, when it comes down to it. Another yeah. thing, when you've got a company, right? Oh, that's the thing, like Alan Watts talks a lot about. Companies don't exist. Who is a company? It's like the moon and the real moon, right? Yeah. Who is a company? Who do you end up blaming that on? Oh, the CEO, they're all fragments of this big thing that we call a company. And then when you actually go to get anyone to take responsibility for anything, no one will step up. You know? Well, yeah. even the pharmaceutical it's companies it's have like these shadow companies and umbrella companies and like trusts and stuff so that they. They can close one down and keep going. Yeah, same as banks. Like how many times has like Pfizer and stuff been sued and they just closed down a corporation or closed down this? But it's only like one one hundred of the, and no one gets blamed for it. Yeah, like HSBC yeah. laundering money for mm -hmm. drug, drug cartels. Dealers. They got caught yeah. a billion dollar fine or something like that. Okay. They make yeah a couple four, five six yeah. twenty times that. It's nothing. It was a couple of billion. No one's held liable. Then. Yeah, yeah. it was a still still running. No one no one no one gets. Tried for it, yeah. It's a phantom company, right? Who mm. is who is it that got fined? HSBC doesn't fucking exist. Yeah, that's it's true, a yeah. group. It's like a religion for a group of people. If Christianity gets fined, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and just just as a as like a you know r r 
reference to make it a little bit more understandable. Like, it doesn't exist. This, it's a yeah, following. Yeah. People follow and work for HSBC. If, mm. if that lab, the, the Beagle lab gets shut down, whose fault is it? Is it the injector's fault? Yeah, they definitely know what they're fucking doing. Oh, but I'm just doing my job because so-and-so hired me. Well, that's just the payroll person. They just hired you. Yeah. They know what you're doing, but still, that has because that... And you can go all the way up, all the way up to the chain of command and it ends up going so far up that they can say, I'm so far up, I didn't know any of that was happening. Yeah, that happens yeah, all the time. That happens, yeah, the only yeah. time Which I've is the ever seen wank. it is, it's, it's bullshit. The only one time I've seen people be held liable was the Nuremberg trials after World War Two. That was the only time where people said no, following orders, anything like that, you're all accountable, and they were well, they hung them. But I don't agree with killing, so I'd agree with maybe some kind of mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like <laughs> Batman. I was. <laughs> but there's something. You know, let, let them be held liable, and they can't hide behind corporations or masks or people or orders because everyone's a sovereign being. You make a decision. Even with a, if it's an order or not, because authority is just an illusion, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, well, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. In, in general, authority yeah. is an illusion. We're all we're all equal under the guise, not under the universe. I don't say God, but yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the whatever, the, yeah, the whatever. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna take this full circle now. Yeah. How did all of this start for you? Getting into mm. this workshop, into this sort of spiritual space, if I can use that word. Um, for me, um, yeah, <laughs> like always in like, be careful, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so for me, um, again, like you can always only have an idea when something started. It's like you say, when did you and your partner, when did it all start? But it might have started way before, way that, before yeah. you were in this friend and this friend invited you to that party and it was 10 parties later and all the meetings that, that things actually happened. All the things that had to happen before that. Yeah, four um, lifetimes ago. Yeah. So yeah, all this like from, from, the, from the big bang, that started us and that started us. Um, so when I, was, um, when I was 19, I my parents decided to separate and it was one of those uh, relationships that have all, would have, should have always been never yeah, yeah. <laughs> they never should have been um and that was really difficult for me as a child i was an only child and i just remember um you're a miracle baby i'm yeah, a miracle baby yeah because yeah, you couldn't have another one after that so <laughs> so perfect didn't have another one um <laughs> so or maybe she fucked up the first oh, time and she didn't want another one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah 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 <laughs> but hey dark and light, it goes together yeah. you know it's both it's both um so yeah my parents divorced and it's what i always wanted I always wanted that because I couldn't stand living in that the household that was in mm. there. And um and I just remember thinking like, oh my god, my life is gonna be so much better now. Like I can go see my dad separately, I can be with my mum separately. And um and there were a lot of things leading up to that that were very difficult because my dad was getting more and more neurotic and I didn't even know that he was sick and it got to a point where he didn't want to let me eat and it was he was like really just not in a good, not in a good way, and um, but I'd had that all my life, so I didn't think yeah. there was anything. I just thought I was a bit crazy because I didn't have siblings to so be like, "Yo, mum, mum's a dickhead." He didn't want you to eat, is that right? Or yeah. you were, didn't want to eat? No, he didn't want me to eat. How do I? Yeah, yeah. It just really, um, and again, he had his own shit in there, so I would be like cooking eggs. Oh, what are you cooking eggs for? I was like, it's eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. I'm making breakfast. I bought those eggs for dinner. I was like, there's 12 in there. He was like, yeah, but I wanted you to like make a big frittata. And I was like, oh, fuck, all right then. Um, so I had my eggs and whatever, yeah. and I'll be making lunch the next day. What are you making? Like, oh, fuck dad, I'm, I'm making, making soup. Are you using the cans of tomatoes? It's like, yeah, dad. Oh, well, I, I was gonna get them for dinner. I was like, dad, you know what? Um, so then I went and got my own cans of tomatoes. All right, I was making something with them the next day. What are you making lunch for? And I was like, cans of tomatoes. They're my. Oh, I bought these cans of tomatoes. These are my cans of tomatoes. 
Yeah. And he was like, yeah, but the heat from the oven is so hot in here. I don't want you using the oven. I don't want you using the stove top. It's too hot. It's too hot. And then so I, was like, uh, so I get something out the fridge that I bought out the fridge. What are you eating that for? I was like, Dad, I'm about, like, what is your problem? And I'm like, I yeah, don't understand. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm just worried for you. You're eating a lot, you know? And I was like, um, wanted to compete in bodybuilding at that stage yeah. in IFBB. So I was like, I was like, I'm um, like doing my chicken and my broccoli. And it was at the fridge. It was a pre-made meal that I made it. I bought. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, um, yeah, no, I'm worried about you. You're spending a lot of money on food. So I can never get to the end of it. Okay. Anyway, he was oh, okay. neurotic. Yeah. There was no end to it. Mm. Um, so anyway, I was like, I cannot wait for this to be over. And um, there was some really dark um, things that happened before the divorce that actually led to that. Mm. And, um, and then when it actually happened, that was from my influence. I told my mom something that my dad said to me. Um, six, uh, like five years prior, um, that was very damaging. And when she found out about that, she like confronted my dad about it, and then they split in that moment. And what happened is eventually my dad moved out, and then I was um, just felt like so deeply like this this heaviness, like this depression. And I was like, I thought this was going to get better, and I I couldn't figure out what it was because my entire life I thought my dad was like. The, the, the bad guy, like I felt the dad, like I was like, as soon as my dad's gone, like, you know, it's always had, my mom would say, your dad's at this, your dad's at that to me. And my dad would say, your mom's at this, your mom's at that to me. So I was always in the middle, middle of yeah. this. Yeah. Okay, that's a bad person, that's a bad person. And then when my dad left, I went to a psychologist and uh, my mom said, you know, you need to go talk about your dad to, you know, like get fixed sort of things. He messed you up. And I was like, yeah, man, he did mess me up. Mm. And I sit down in the psychologist chair and, and I got diagnosed with um, severe depression and um, um, clin- clinical anxiety. And then, um, and then I sat down in this chair and then we talked about my dad for like a few minutes and then we talked about my mum. And I was like, like, what are we talking about my mum for? And then, and then I got home, my mum was like, so sweetie, like how was, um, how was the psychologist? And I was like, yeah, um, we only talked about dad for a couple of minutes and we were actually talking about like me and you and stuff. And, she, and then from there, I don't know what happened, but my mum like withdrew all support for me getting mental health help. Oh. Yeah. And then that was really difficult for me. Again, that is only perceptively what I think that it was because I was hugely anxious and depressed before that. Yeah. And I remember then, like every a lot of arguments, um, she might say she didn't say it, and that's fine. So we'll remember reality differently. But from my recollection, whenever we would have an argument, it would be, yeah, go run along, tell your psychologist about what I said and talk shit about me. And then she said, she'd say, don't listen to psychologists. Like, they're crazy. Don't listen to them. And so there ended up being this, like, I didn't know... I thought I was going to be happy because my dad was gone. Then I'm realizing maybe the problem was my mom. And then I'm like, oh my God, have I been manipulated all my life? And then I'm like, I don't know what thoughts are mine. And then I don't want to go to a psychologist because she's talking about my mom. And if I'm going to save mine and my mom's relationship, I've got to stop looking into how that might be a problem. And then it was just, it's just fucked. Like it was yeah, absolutely fucked. So what was really happening is all my trauma from my childhood was coming up. Um, because that split caused almost like a, a like a misfiring in my way of operating. Yeah. And I and I was realizing, and I was like, oh shit! Like I got some major parent issues, and I was like realizing all the the toxic stuff that was happening. But because I was always dealt with passive aggressiveness, like my mum dealt with passive aggressiveness, and my dad just wouldn't say anything at all. So I was always taught if you express yourself, you're going to be withdrawn from love, and they'll be ignoring me for like. A, couple of days or like hours and I learned very very quickly not to express myself but I'm a wow. very sensitive person so I yeah. have a lot of rage and sensitivity um so then I had all this coming up and, and I literally my ego was like don't talk to anyone I don't want to do anything I literally just I couldn't do anything but be in my room because 
I felt so threatened by everything outside. I could, didn't know how to deal. I did, and I didn't know what the, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't want to talk to anyone about it because I think I was crazy. The only one that knew was was my partner at the time. We were together for seven years after that, and he supported me so much. And um, and I remember seeing him meditating. I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm meditating." And I was just like, "You're not a monk. You don't meditate. Like, oh, it's gay. You know, oh, it's gay." And I'm like, well, "Fucking meditate is gay. Like what?" And um, and then he listened to like Tribe Called Quest. Um, yeah, a lot, but, like love yeah, Tribe Called Quest, yeah. like Joey, Joey, um, badass, like, um, like so, so, so many different uh, groups that would would weave in, um, like lyrics and raps about enlightenment and about community and about um, just oneness. And I remember, um, I think it was Tribe Called Quest that brought up the Bhagavad Gita in one of their songs. Yeah. I think. And Kale started reading um, the Bhagavad Gita, and, and he was telling me to read it, and he was on this whole thing, and I was just like, yo, like. Like I'm in the deep of my depression. I'm just like, shut the fuck up. Like, what do you mean meditation and stuff? And then he knew I love cartoons. So what he, he saw one day, he's like, hey baby, um, there's this um, series on on YouTube. It's a cartoon and it's called Spirit Science. And it's a oh, cartoon yeah, and he keeps saying it's a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And it's, a, it's it's Spirit Science and it's a cartoon and it's a series. And I was like, that sounds awesome. And I was like, watching the first episode and I was like, this is amazing. I love cartoons. And I literally binge-watched that series over the four days. Like, I stayed in my room and I binge-watched that series. Spirit Science is dope. It's dope. Man, yeah. It, yeah. it changed my life. Mm. Changed my life. And after that, I didn't know what the fuck I just learned. So I was like, I'm not my thought. There's, there, there's energy and there's chakras and there's yeah. consciousness and there's the Lemurians. And now I was like, oh, my God. And I was, like, surging. And then I was, like, obsessed. And after that, I typed into Google and I was like... Spirit science similar because <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck I just learned. I don't know yeah, spirituality. I don't know it was. I've never come across this before. It's not religion. And I was like, oh my god. And then I, and then what came up was the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yeah. And that's just where it all kicked. That's where it went from there. Yeah. Just. You know, I always thought it was Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. So long. I thought that Tolle. I know. I swear. I just want to hear. I just want to hear him say it. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. I never do. You know what I mean? I thought it's I always the mention, Oprah or somewhere. Yeah. yeah, man. He, he was on Oprah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I hear her say it. I yeah. hear him say it. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like, I want to hear him say, I'm in Hulu. I want to hear him say, like, I just want your name. Because I heard Ryan yeah. say, I got told I'm like, no, that's wrong. Is yeah. it got told? Yeah. And I, like, I was wrong. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tolly, Tolly, Tolly. Like, oh, man. That amazing human being, anyway. So yeah, that's where that's where it all went for me, and I was just so excited about I am not my mind, mm. and I am not this. Like I had such power and liberation from that, and um, it didn't get easier from there. But I accessed this life source because I acknowledged this content of my mind, and then me, especially when I read the power of now and talking mm. about you know when you get triggered, it's the pain body. Oh, yeah. You feel like a different person because you are a different person. It's your yeah. five-year-old self, or it's you know, you 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 quite literally are, you are inhabiting the content of a different person. Mm. And I was just like, oh well, who am I then? And I start asking all these existential questions, like, okay, well, if that's what the pain body comes up, then what's there before, in the background, and after the pain body? You know, mm. so I'm like, well, who am I then? If I'm not the depression and if I'm not this, and I start asking these these um, self inquiry, and I very very quickly went into Eastern philosophy, um, learning like from Sri Nasagadatta Maharaj, which wrote I Am That, which is almost okay. like yeah, oh, 
do not read it before bed. It's like, oh, it's sorry, like, I, that I am, yeah, I am that. I am that. Easily the thickness of the Bible. Easily. Oh, shit, and, okay. and what I love about a lot of Eastern philosophy is they do a lot of their teachings in dialogue form. Yeah. So they'll have, Eckhart actually does that too, right? So he'll have the audience will ask a question. And then he'll respond to the question, yeah. and it's like a dialogue. So you have people asking questions that you're thinking, mm. and then they're responding back to that. So this is what the book is: it's question Maharaj, question Maharaj, and they're in this this dialogue. And the guys, well, I don't get that. And does that mean you're just passive? And he's and it's, he's just like slaying like, this guy, slaying. like yeah. you know, cut yeah. him and cutting him out his own question, clarifying his own question. It's just so. I think um, after that, then I got into. Um, PT wasn't enough for me anymore. Like I was so, I was like, I, I can't even like explain it. I was just like, you know, I sought for so long with my own self-image issues to have a six-pack and to have this and that. And I even had like this double jaw surgery. I had this massive um, uh, double jaw surgery and chin and nose genioplasty. Like I had this massive $50,000 surgery done. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And even after that, um, even after that, you know, the epitome that I thought it would be when I just changed that thing that I'm accepted. Like I never never got there and mm. I'm here training clients and I think and almost enabling them to think that when they get to the six pack or when they get to this or when they get to that that everything's gonna be better for them. Mm. And it wasn't enough for me anymore. I was like I need to I need to get the groundwork, how I can take my amazing excitement for all of this that I've learned into a way that I can put it in coherent sentences because I wasn't able to do that. Mm. Um, so I became a life coach and I did neurolinguistic programming. I did my master's in neurolinguistic programming. I did hypnosis, my master's in hypnosis, Reiki, and um, like a, I'm a breathwork facilitator as well. Wow. Um, so I just was learning these different modalities, not just to tick off in my passport to say I've done it or been mm. there, but to try and see which tool and a method um, can really help to um, can really help me to articulate. Uh, almost like what I went through and what is capable for other people. Wow. And it all started from the excitement of I'm not depression, like I'm not anxiety. Because as soon as I was diagnosed with that, mm. yeah, but I'm depressed. Yeah, but I'm anxious. I've that got label's anxiety. powerful, hey? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great reason to stay in your room and do nothing mm. and, and to get away with all sorts of things, you know. So um, to not, to not, and I wasn't ready to be told that I wasn't that because that would take my right away mm. to be shielding myself. And so Kale very cleverly did it in a way that, um, that like, was, it was the, he, he planted it in, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and um, that's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. Yeah. It's a cartoon. It's very so, yeah, there's a script. So it's a cartoon. I was like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where it all started. And wow. it's, it's still going. And the layers keep unfolding. And even more so when I discovered, like, plant medicine last year. Um, and, and a lot this year, that's also been another tool that has helped me to, um, again, deliver in better words what people are capable of. Yeah. yeah. What was your first experience like with plant medicine? My first, um, I would say, like, uh, I had a few experiences before it being actually um, a well-thought-out environment. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> first one, we just went to a bush dorf. We got... Oh, yeah. A few tabs of acid, three grams of DMT, went back to my friend's house, dropped acid, stayed up all night, did DMT in the morning through a bong, and then I went home like, what the fuck is life? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a nurturing environment. Yeah. Um, but I have done um, 
medicine experiences since then. Um, yeah, that have just been so. The most potent one has been the toad, which is. Were well, you the toad? toad yeah. 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 Really? How, yeah. how did you find the toad? toad yeah. <laughs> um, man. <laughs> <laughs> playing with an ocean in a cup right now, yeah, like I'm yeah, painting the moon, yeah. I'm doing a really shit job of it. Um, like it turned Mike Tyson from like a, the aggressive monster to like the most <sighs> zen dude ever. Right, yeah, yeah. he, yeah, yeah. The, I was like obsessively look, like obviously researching it before I went in and again yeah. it doesn't, it still doesn't. Was it in Australia that you did it? Yes, yes. Okay. so it still, okay. still doesn't, even what he says it about it, like now I listen I'm like. Yeah. I've been yeah, to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're pretty good at articulating this kind of stuff. Like, okay. what was the experience really like? Okay, all right, all right, okay. So, in terms of the um, the logistics of it, you have to you fast for it. Yeah. You you take it out through like a pipe, so it's frog uh, toad venom. Mm. Um, you have it through a pipe. You breathe it in. Uh, the it will typically last mm, 15, 20 minutes, and that's it. That's okay. a long time. So 50, yeah, where, yeah, for where you are, and it depends how open you are. With how it might be five minutes, yeah. but it depends how much you have and how open you are, because the body can just reject um, going next. You're not ready. Um, so you fast for it, set intention, sit. I was sitting outside on this mat, and um, and I was. Um, it, he administered the medicine, and um, he was like, "Okay, so you breathe up, do your breath work. You breathe all the way out, till all the way your abs are contracting all the way out." And you have to breathe all the way in and you're not allowed to stop. Mm. So you breathe and it has to be like very like very, very, very soft. <laughs> within <laughs> within four seconds, I am no longer breathing the toad, it's breathing me. Okay. I am and the best way for me to describe and describe in general is when I have other plant medicine experiences, let's say I'll have mushrooms or, or LSD. Again, there's this whole um, I I'm having uh, kaleidoscopic visuals. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. LSD, there's a tree over there. I'm having this, even when I close my eyes, there's the me that's having the visuals. The difference with the toad is the one that is having the experience completely disappears. So you're just the experience? Yeah, but not just the experience, like you are the experience. experience. Like, so. I, there was the me breathing in the toad, and then the, the me that was breathing in is gone. Gone. Like, no self. No self. Nothing. There's, 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 in the void of nothingness, there is everything, though. Yeah. And so what happens is, take it all in, <laughs> and, um, and then I, just from what my people have told, you're literally not there. So from what I've been told, I was like, Ooh, and I was like, because you're not there, all your shit's coming up. There's no barrier. Yeah. There's no, oh my God, what are the people thinking? There's no there. And I just remember go, ooh, and I lean forwards, and he very gently leans me back and opens my legs out. And I remember just, um, I remember again, not good language, um, space time totally doesn't exist. And again, I, Whatever I saw, I was. There was this white light that I, I was, this white light. Mm. And, um, and again, there was nothing. It's really hard to explain. But I remember, I remember the first intention was, I want to release this block in my solar plexus that is stopping me from being the fullest expression of me. 
So very specific. It was a lot related to my work and my podcast and things like that. And we've talked about that before, allowing yourself to be your full creative genius. You know, don't worry about judgment. And there was a lot of shame from my childhood. And I could always feel it here. And I just wanted that to go. I get that as well. It's like zing every now and then. Yeah, right? Yeah. You know, because that's your center of self. Like your solar plexus, the sun. That's where you're meant to shine from. And I always feel it there. I can feel it here when I talk about it. And I set two intentions. And on when you're in a ceremony, you could go as many times as you want with the toad. So I went twice and it oh. hit my intentions in order. Wow. So the first one, I remember going in, whatever that means, I disappeared, right? There was no one there. And um, I remember God, and I can use that word, God, universe, consciousness, said, or I said, there were words. I was the words. Um, <laughs> it was laughing at me because I said, Again, my intention, how do I release this block from, st that? you know, how can I be my authentic self? And this, it, it was laughing, saying, who is the self that you think you are going to be? Oh, fuck. And in that, I, <laughs> I laughed from a place so deep and so expansive. I was rolling, laughing. For 15 minutes, <laughs> non-stop. I didn't stop. And like the laughter where you're, you're kind of scared you're going to die, that you can't oh, yeah. stop for yeah. 15 minutes. Like when you're really high, right. I get that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, and what's happening is I'm like, ah, like, I thought I was a someone. Like, it's nothing. Like, this, like who did I think I was going to be? Like, who is the authentic self? Like, I'm like laughing and rolling. And as I'm rolling, this um, images as fast as they come up where I've had a block or an issue feeling like, oh, I wish I could be more authentic or I wish I could let go of that thing. As quick as it came up, it was let go through laughter. So the healing was happen happening not through tears or an anger release or, or like smashing something. It was happening through laughter mm. because I, I was, I, it, isness, was undercutting the whole, entire problem, which was, I was thinking that there was a self that had the problem of not being authentic. There was no self that that problem could belong to anymore. Mm. And so where is the problem? If you're going to have a problem, it means there is someone to solve it. Yeah. There was no one to solve it. And so there was no problem. It was just an equation. It was just a bunch of words, a bunch of letters, a bunch of, a bunch of numbers. And, and I'm rolling and I'm laughing and I can hear my partner Theo and, <laughs> and, um, and uh, the, the um, medicine man that administered it for me and the other participants and they're like laughing. And I remember once, I remember looked up forgetting they were there or where I was or that they'd even done the toad. I remember looking up at them and I remember, and I remember this quick thought came in my mind, oh, oh, this feeling, oh, how embarrassing. And then I was like, Wow, like again, laughing, rolling, <laughs> laughing, laughing, laughing. Because that thought didn't belong to anyone. So as soon as it came, it went, and it was like, ah, I was laughing, like literally for 15 minutes. And then when I eventually came back, I remember opening my eyes and I looked up at the sky, and um, there were clouds going by, and um, and it was the first audible words I said. I was like, huh, where are they? And where are they? And, and then, and then. I was like, what baby? Where's what? And I was like, the fox. Where have they gone? <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> and I remember just looking at the sky and feeling as close to the sky spatially as my own nose. And the trees in the oh, forest, because wow. I was in a forest, was as close to me as the hairs on my skin. 
and the savannah was as close to me as my hair around my head. And nothing had, there was no space or separateness to anything. And so, and there was just space. And so I came back and I'm feeling the rug and I'm rolling in the dirt. And there's no such thing as mm, dirt and oh, wet. And I was like, dirt and grass and sensations. And yeah, that was wow. Wow. That sounds like an amazing experience. experience yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, so each of us had that. The first guy that went, I wanted to go first exactly for this reason. He went first. Um, and, I, and I didn't want to have any idea of what was going to happen. Oh, true. And, oh, I, true. and I'm okay. looking at him and yeah. I'm like, and I usually want to go last for everything. Yeah. I went first and I, I wanted to go first. And as soon as he said, I'm going to go first, I was just like, okay. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at him and I'm looking at him and he, and he has it and he, and he goes back and he's like, puts his hands inside his mouth. He goes, and he pulls his teeth and he's like, I need to let go. And he's like pulling his, his skin and he's rolling. And he's like looking at us and he's rolling, he's rolling. And then after about 15 minutes and his, his girlfriend was there and she was getting quite concerned. She was like, you know, should I support him? And we were like, no, like let him on his journey. And, and he gets up and he was like, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my <laughs> life. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then we didn't know until the second time after he went two times, I went two times and my partner and his girlfriend was just going. And I said, no, no, his partner had gone and, and Theo was going. And um, I said to him, I was like, yeah, man, so far you're the only one that said audible words in, your, mm -hmm. in the middle of your trip. He was like, what do you mean? And I was like, you know, when you said, ah, I need to let go. He's like, what? I was like, bro, you put your hand in your mouth like this and you were like, I need to let go. He was like, stop, what? stop <laughs> fucking around. And I was oh, like, wow. no, legit. And he was like, I, that was not my experience. So like, he was so oneness with everything that trauma that was coming up could just go because no one was there to claim it almost mm -hmm. you know it was it could just come up i need to like like he wasn't even the one saying that like it was this beautiful like and what i saw was not what was happening for him like he was almost like not there it wasn't dissociated it was almost like he wasn't just his body he was everything else and mm -hmm. he had this similar experience with the white light and yeah it was Damn. um it was the most um, yeah. and, and and from there like my my business took off my like podcast took off like mm. these energetic blocks like abundance worth love it was health like these literal blocks are just there's no block to the energy anymore you know wow. yeah. and it hasn't gotten rid of everything like you're not enlightened but it's you know and even for the second one my seven year relationship came up because that was my second intention mm. was like I want to let go of the past and when I shared that intention in the circle at the beginning I thought of him straight away mm. so we were together for seven years and we only he only left last year in November yeah long time so yeah and it had only been six months at that point mm. and, um, and I just really wanted to let go so bad and the second time he gave me half of the dose and so I don't think I was completely gone either that or I wasn't quite willing to let go mm. and so what happened that the second one was extremely difficult like it was very very like really really difficult everyone cried all the, the men they all cried on the last one yeah. yeah it was really hard it was like the first one was the initiation mm. and the second one was like the toad was like hey you're in good job so now first task is <laughs> to look at all your shit and it really, really got good. it got yeah yeah all you got all your shit like after after all of us we were all there like sobbing and we all had to like hold and hold each other and wow. yeah so it's not um it's not like something that you just do recreationally like it's it's 
Full-on ceremony. It's work, yeah. You'll go there. It's work, it's yeah. Work, it's work, yeah. and um, and you've got to integrate it, and and on and because I wasn't willing to go there to release my ex, like all this stuff was coming up, and I did have a big release, but what you don't finish the cycle in the toad, it can revisit to make you finish the cycle. So not that night, but the next night, I'm about to fall asleep, right? I'm about to fall asleep, and you know that feeling when you feel like you're about to fall down? Yeah. I feel like I'm about to fall down, but as I'm about to fall down, I fall into the toad trip again. Holy shit. In my bed, two nights later, and I go deep into the, the toad and everything, like I'm not there again. It's like God knocked on my door when I wasn't, and he just came in, like didn't even ask if I was ready. Wow. <laughs> That's what the toad feels like. He's just like, motherfucker, this is my house too. And he just walks in, and I'm just like gone. And um, it was beautiful and I had the most beautiful conclusion and just the message that I got from that was just love, like just the deepest reverence and love was the, was the message that I got from that. And a lot of times if I thought about my ex or I saw something, it, like 95% of what I felt before like wasn't there, my dreams changed. Like in my dreams it ended up being, um, in my dreams he wouldn't talk to me, in my dreams because he left without saying anything. There was no conversation, there was nothing. And so that feeling of abandonment and that shock in my system was playing out in my dreams. He wouldn't talk to me in my dreams, I couldn't get him to talk to me. After the toad, um, I started asserting myself to him in my dream. He still wouldn't talk to me, but then I started talking to his girlfriend in my dream. And now in my dreams, as my dreams go, me and his girlfriend are like best mates. Wow. In my dreams. And before I was just like, you know, like, dev, like you have what I wanted and and now like in my dreams like we're like I go to her yoga classes in my dream I don't even think she's a yoga instructor so I don't know damn it's yeah. crazy yeah so like really deep subconscious like so your whole dreams have changed since that yeah I mean my dreams have always been messed up but on on that level in terms of my relationship then my assertiveness and and the way and again it's coming from this place of love right yeah it wasn't this like yeah I realized that you didn't leave me I chose for that to happen. You know, it wasn't this like false bravado, like this false, like I've moved on. It was very genuine, like, like, hey, you know, like in my dream, there's like yeah. no problem at all, at all. That they, they, and they're always in my dream together, and they're often in my dreams. Yeah. Damn, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. That's super. That was the yeah. most experience. That was the most um, impactful experience that I've had um, on plant medicine and then the other ones would just be when I have not just uh, when I would have microdosed mushrooms especially Micro. when I've had intimate like sexual experiences on microdosing mushrooms how much yeah. do you microdose what's the dosage uh probably a microdose would be between anything under a point depending who you ask a point three or a point four maybe yeah. more a point three yeah. say a point three and below would be a microdose between a point four and point nine would be a mini dose yeah and then Again, depending which mushrooms you have, usually a normal dose would be like between two to four grams. Okay, cool. Like for yeah. a full experience, yeah, yeah, where so. you should be having your blindfold on and internally, or not going, definitely not going out anywhere or anything. Mm, yeah. Enjoying the experience, but yeah, I've really been exploring on um, the yeah, plant medicine and and intimacy and mm. um, with my partner, and it's quite literally the, that has been all equally life changing to the mm. toad. Equally wow. life-changing to the toad, yeah. Like yeah. I've never experienced anything like what Theo and I have experienced when we're being intimate and both on mushrooms before on microdose. Like it's um like everyone should experience that. Do you like okay. become one? Yes. Being like yeah. Yes. Spiritually merge is that? Yeah, and it's like your energy, like the kind of orgasms that are happening are like 
it's almost like every second. Think of that. Every second, yeah. it's happening. Wow. Um, you're just because it's, it's energy, and it's there's no there's no there's no okay. We're doing this to reach a climax, or I wonder how I'm doing. And even if you don't think you're thinking that, a lot of the times in the background you are. Or yeah. am I good enough? Or 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 I want them to do this better? Or or you know just or if you're just thinking about your to do list, or you know you don't even you're just not as present as you think you are. Yeah. There's that mm. sense of separation, right? Yeah. And it took me to that unity, that no separation. When you've just got that positive and negative ends of the battery of the, of the magnet, they just it's just a constant energy wow. flow, like co- constant. Yeah. So you're not, you're not confined by the limitations of the body, essentially. Yeah. You're becoming exactly. more than just the body. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that wow. goes into like t- tantra and kundalini practices, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. sexual energy is life force. It's creative energy, you know. The energy that you take to do the, the podcast is, is, is sexual. When you mm. do a painting, it's sexual, you know. It's, it's all... It's all the same thing, you know. Like when a when a, a couple have a baby, they have sex, and that sexual intimacy is the creation of life, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And then they're born with the ability to have sex and then create life. Even plants and animals, like it's it's you don't need to even separate them. It's just life force, you know. That I feel that the sexual energy and life is life force. It's the yeah. same. That's it. same, it's the same, thing. same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But we're not taught that, are we? Yeah, yeah, you know, no, we're not. It's the opposite. opposite. <laughs> it's very opposite, much yeah. the opposite. A lot of shame yeah. around like sex, when, especially when I was growing up in religion and mm. even school and the whole thing, it was a lot of shame related there. Mm. Yeah, especially in Christianity, I suppose, where it's like, mm. uh, yeah. yeah, I think now. But I think like one of the big things that like, I think when you like the um, the what's what I'm trying to say here. The just pornography and masturbation for males is a huge thing. I, I personally believe that. Mm-hmm. Like when you're that that energy, that life force that you're kind of um, wasting and you're giving out without actually utilizing that energy to creativity mm-hmm. is like one of the biggest things like when it comes to you like growing through your, I'm not gonna use, um, through your journey because when you're spending your time and you're wasting that energy like that energy is life force energy. It's like creative energy that you should be utilizing positively. I think um, who, who um, the man from Think and Grow Rich, the Think and Grow Rich, Hill. Nope, yeah. Napoleon Hill, says this that it seems like it's a um, one of those things. Like when men get married or when they find a solid, stable partner, they start utilizing that life force energy to to grow mm-hmm. because they're actually utilizing it creatively and they're utilizing it to impact their lives positively. Whereas when you're young, you're, using, you're wasting that energy doing really dumb, stupid shit. Mm-hmm. So like when you, that true, like I think that just solidifies the, the, the construct that sexual energy, sexual energy is important energy for both males and females. But for the masculine, I feel like that sexual energy is, is what, is what you, you can use potentially to move yourself to the next to so change day, your reality yeah, so to, to change your reality so yeah. yeah and if you don't if you, and like the pornography industry like in my belief is probably like one of the most toxic industries for males yeah it turns yeah. man into a beast yeah. essentially yeah, I, I exactly. think. Mm. well depending on what the pornography is but I'm pretty sure it, it really does lower your vibration when you're watching that kind of stuff but that yeah. content is not good to be rattling around in your mind you know yeah I remember as a kid, like I was 12 years old and like one of my friends brought a porn magazine to school and like you're seeing it on the phone and you're seeing it on, and it's like holy shit it's like all these like um, neurochemicals are just like going off in your brain. Yeah. And then only like years later you realize, hey, this is fucking not normal. You have to detox this completely. So I haven't like watched porn in like eight years. Yeah. And just detox it completely. And I remember at the beginning when I was trying to get rid of it, it was like, 
I think it was so addicting that that whole like whatever was going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super addicting. Yeah, the way it, it the way it distorts your reality of um, the genders, right? Yeah, yeah. Is mm. just unreal. And the thing is, like you know, a lot of it too goes to um, I feel the idea issues around performance, right? For men, you know, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. Like I from the men that I've spoken to, from my partner. And my um, male friends, like performance, is a massive thing in mm. in the bedroom, like sexually, yeah. like um, the, the 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 need to perform or the feeling like you know you need to perform, um, and and I feel like a lot of that comes down to oh yeah, the goal um, to have sex is to finish, is to orgasm, is to ejaculate. There's always this, you know, somewhere we're always getting. You know mm. what I mean? And with porn, everything everything is rushed. There's no connection. There's actually a um one of my um, friends she actually remember said to me once she said there's actually um porn you can get that's almost like enlightened porn mm. so it's porn where it's not um it's not disrespectful it's not abusive it's not um unrealistic it's actually a lot about the kind of connection that you would see between partners that are having that unifying experience yeah. there's actually porn out there that is really trying to um feed into society like how relationship how sex and relationships and intimacy and those experiences um are and how they can actually mm, be. be like yeah. even things like eye gazing so like in this in this kind of porn as a web something um specifically like eye gazing they do not break eye contact mm. the entire time yeah like even that when do you ever see that in porn really and eye gazing i feel there's something in relationships that seems so it feels so um threatening yeah you know well, yeah. i know what you mean even when you look at someone's eyes are too long it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's it yeah, yeah eye gazing is um you know i'll have people come in and i'll be like yeah you know so we'll be talking about something's come up with a, a sexual block i said you know is it your libido she's like, oh no no problem with libido and i was like our oh, intimacy she's like, no like i said i have no problem with like why are you here? And, then, and I was like, okay, like intimacy. And I was like, so she's like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, and I didn't even get to finish when I said eye gazing. I was like, I. She's like, oh my god, no. She was like, what do you mean? I can't be eye gazing with my partner. And I was like, that's weird. Let me just figure out what's going on here. And I'm, I was holding the space, and I was like, yes, that's intimacy. I was like, intimacy, into me, see, mm, right. True. True. Right. What's right, in, yeah. what's intimacy into me see if you're not seeing into the person that you're having that experience with, right? Mm-hmm. How can you be intimate when you're not even when when you're not having that connection there? You know, and, oh. and also flipping it the other way, into me see, you need to let them into me see for you as well. Yeah. It's that opening, that vulnerability. And porn doesn't have that. Mainstream porn doesn't have that. There isn't that vulnerability. There isn't that and it doesn't mean soft, passive sex, you can still be assertive and animalistic and hot and wild while maintaining that eye contact and maintaining that level of vulnerability. You can still have the polarities of feminine and masculine, mm, yeah. submissive and dominant, um, without without the, it being um, just vessels or just like shells of people, you know? Yeah. Into me, see, like you see past what is there and, and that's where that energy flow can come from right and yeah so there is actually a point out there um, that my female friend actually showed me and she was like i show this to men like like she would tell oh, really? this to like male partners and stuff she's like this mm. is what you can be looking at you know and i guess it comes to like um it comes to 
you know, not all technology is bad. Same thing, not all porn is bad. It depends what kind of porn you're looking at. That's very That's true. true. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's because it's not again like it's 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 again we have that word again for porn that's bad but there there are people out there and they and they watch it and it's almost like sex education like they're yeah, learning yeah, yeah. they've never seen, seen that. that a treat a woman they're listening to their friends that are like oh yeah like take that girl home or yeah and it's this competition right it's glorified or you've yeah. got women oh yeah no be a slut it's the opposite you know repress shame we don't even learn from our friends we definitely don't learn it from our parents i don't think any of us did i learned it from american <laughs> pie yeah. hey there you go okay well another example <laughs> 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 like that, you know yeah. like it gets the idea in your head uh-huh. and you yeah. do some research so okay uh-huh. but the whole society around it is pretty toxic culture i would say yeah. mm-hmm. especially yeah, when i was 18 like <laughs> yeah. Uh, boy. <laughs> <Matt>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um so I was really amazed when I started dating Theo and he told me that he uh does Taoist practices, so sexual practices. So he does practices with himself, like self pleasure to cultivate his energy to the point where he can have an uh, have like a climactic orgasm without like ejaculating. Yeah. Well. And multiple, infinite. Mm. And 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 that I think if That's men crazy. can learn to do that, which anyone can if you've got a dick, mm. which they all do, <laughs> you know, unless you That's identify true. as otherwise, mm. you can literally, you can literally do that. And as a, as a woman, like literally after you do that, because you haven't ejaculated, you can literally like keep going forever yeah. <laughs> until you're done. Like yeah. in wow. that, so a lot of Taoist practices, but again, it's about, it's about, um, cultivating that 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 life force and that sexual energy and drawing mm. it up to the other chakras in the body you know so i was like i've never seen anything like this before in my life yeah <laughs> you know yeah. i've heard about that through like tantra and that sort of thing i never thought it was really possible but then when you know learn about the energy body and like chakras and everything like that it's like well obviously definitely mm, is possible, possible yeah. but you mm. teach this stuff in your workshops that are coming up is this what they're about so theo is actually doing his tantra teacher training for tongue twister Tantra and teacher <laughs> training course at the moment. So he'll be oh, finished nice. um, early next year. Oh, yeah. Wow, okay. um, but again, he's had so much experience in like all of his housemates. He's taught to all the housemates, and it's um, it's beautiful. It's really wonderful to see men like communicating so openly about mm. something that we shame so much about. Not just intergender, but you know, like literally in, within your own gender, like talking about like mm. that kind of stuff in in the intimate realm. Um, so he, we exchanged a lot about our previous relationships and experiences with sex and he and I are both really passionate in mm. wanting to teach that, to reignite that intimacy again, not from the ego, but from yeah. that, that place that is very vulnerable too. So you've got to be willing to be vulnerable to go there, mm. you know, um, you've got to go in with that white belt mindset, like that I don't know anything and a lot of men mm. and women too don't want to go in there because it feels too vulnerable go there but yeah. man the ones that do like the the things that um the things that they can get in self-development too from that is just amazing like absolutely mm. like i mean sex is one of the things that a lot of relationships fall apart over mm. cheating not saying that anyone has a right to cheat i've cheated and i've been cheated on and it's never an excuse mm. but it can be and is a precursor to to having affairs and that, you know, yeah, it's yeah. that combination between not understanding why we're having sex, not wanting to have that intimacy or even acknowledge that it's a problem most of the time, right? Not, no communication between what I want and what you want and, and you know, being that open communication and, um, and that feeling of dishonesty, you know, 
and in that with with porn and everything else and that is just the perfect concoction for an affair because you get what you think you want which even then isn't what you're capable of with your partner which is that intimacy you know and you get it from elsewhere you're not going to say because you've got that shame and then it's just Mm. It's just a big shitball that just keeps rolling and getting bigger, you know? That's true, yeah. And people say sex isn't important, and that's up to opinion. I had that opinion in my last relationship. I was seven years, I had a very low libido. Mm. Very, very rarely had sex, like maybe like once, like every three weeks or a month, it got to in the end. Yeah. I convinced myself it wasn't a problem. We never really talked about it. Um, And I very much understood (laughs) now, I was just like, (laughs) How was I only having sex once, <laughs> once every three weeks or yeah. once a month? Like, because once that life force gets activated, it, it's not about sex. Like, I'm now creating. I'm doing a podcast. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. And it's it doesn't. It's not just stayed in that area. And yeah. so I don't believe that sex is not 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 important. So what do you yeah. think it was like um, blocking a little bit at the time? Was it physical, mental, spiritual, or was it just? Yeah. Well, I had um, I had um, issues with having boundaries crossed when I was younger and I actually never knew that it was sexual abuse. I never I never thought of it as sexual abuse. I yeah. grew up in the UK at a very young age where those conversations are happening like with between your friends and yeah, I just never I never saw it as abuse. I just saw it as, you know, someone persuading me to do something that I didn't want to do and then it just didn't seem it, one of the situations was they were basically like, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to tell everyone that you're a slut or I'm going to tell everyone that you're frigid or I'm going to tell everyone this. Mm. And so for me, like that was way worse than, than crossing my own boundaries. And mm. because of the lack of relationship that I had with my parents, I wasn't communicating that to them. Mm. So all of this was happening in the background and I was um, 14 when mm. that happened oh, wow. and younger too. Um, and again, because it's just not something, we're not talking about this and respect, yeah. you know, and not enough time is spent on sex ed in school. You're talking about the science of it and how to bake babies, like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm. <laughs> like, and there's porn out there, like, yeah. it's not, it's not enough. Yeah, that's um, very true. So yeah, and then I, I just remember I was just driving once and I was thinking, oh my God, like, it was a Libra full moon last year. And I remember thinking, I, remember, I just had this feeling and I talked to this guy that I met, Nav, I remember talking to him and he said, so tell me a little biography of you. And I told him this biography of me and it had talked about in the UK. And then I was like, then all these memories were coming up. And I was like, ooh, like what the fuck? And I remember just driving to work and all these memories have come up. And I was like crying and I was like, I think I've, I think I've been a victim of sexual abuse like mm. a lot of times. And I was like, oh. and it was like I was asleep for my whole life. Like it was so suppressed and repressed. I haven't heard for these memories for ages and all the trauma is coming up through my body. And um, and I was like, oh my god! And I messaged my friend, and I and I and I was talking to him about it that I just met, and I and we were talking. And it really related to me that I really thought that I just had low libido and it wasn't a problem. But I think I was like protecting myself. Mm. You know, I was protecting myself from because I didn't know what I still didn't have that intimacy. I didn't know what intimacy was, and yeah. I had been cheated on in the in my last relationship. At this point, I'd been cheated mm. on a couple of times and in previous relationships too and already that's not creating a feeling of safety and that is mimicking exactly how I didn't still feel safe as a, a child mm. in a different context, you know. I felt like I was manipulated and my mm. boundaries were crossed and sometimes with the ego it doesn't it doesn't put things into sharp boxes like that. Things can yeah. blend. Yeah. And so 
Ironically, I had a guy come over who does massage and he helps to get rid of um, traumatic um, emotional blocks from the body through massage. Mm. And he released that block for me and I felt it. And it wasn't just the one block, like he opened almost like the lid off. Because this is something I wasn't even aware of. Yeah. It, was, it just blew my mind. And I remember- Where was that stored in the body exactly, was it? It, it was like literally around my around my root chakra. It was okay. really all the way down. I'm all up here in the third eye and the crown chakra, and it's all the way deep down in the basic mm. root chakra and in the sacral too, because that's where emotions are stored, feelings are stored, creativity. Because my creativity yeah. was blocked. That's where the energy where comes from. Right? That's it. Your okay. sexual intimacy is here. That's why again, creativity and your sexual intimacy mm. both belong to the same chakra. Um, but the feeling of safety comes from your root chakra, because that's mm. a prime you need before anything. Um, for humans and um, I remember communicating it to my partner and it just wasn't I felt like it wasn't taken as seriously maybe because it was it had been so long and it might have been a little bit of oh well, you, why didn't you say this before or mm. you know it wasn't really but I didn't even really understand it and I remember saying to him I want to try Tantra I want to try like I want I want to like fix this like I actually want to make it better but he was like oh that's kind of woo-woo sort of thing I wasn't interested See, I got this guy over and he, he got rid of the block. And after he got rid of the block, a week later, that's when my ex left. Out of wow. nowhere. Oh, wow. Out of nowhere. Like, so you reckon like these things can actually play like a physical manifestation of that block would be your partner a at the partner. time? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. great. But he played his role, right? And I would have played my role for him because I wouldn't be where I am if he didn't show me spirit signs. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Um, and, then, so the, and it was devastating to me at the time. But then ironically enough, fate played its way and two months later, I'm dating Theo, which is the guy that came over and massaged me and got rid of the block in the first place. Nothing, no, nothing was there when he first massaged me. There was nothing, nothing there. And even leading up and, the, and fate played its role, everything that I went through as a child, for me to have that experience, to be put in that dark place again, to call on him, a, a friend of a friend, I know someone, he's my housemate, and to come over and do that, for then me now to be dating him and us be delivering what we are to mm, everyone. Yeah. So wow. yeah. yeah, so I think it can come from a lot of things. I think it can come from past life and intergenerational stuff. It might not be what you remember. And a lot mm. of trauma can be repressed because it's the body trying to protect you, right? Mm. 5% conscious, yeah. 95% unconscious, the, um, the way your brain's divided up. So we don't even know that we don't know. Very true. Yeah, very true. Yeah. And sometimes you think it's better the devil you do, the devil you know than the devil you don't, but it's not often the case. It might feel better that way because you have control, thinking, "Oh yeah, that's a problem." But the real problem is you don't even know what the problem is. Yeah. You've got to know that first. True. You know. So I think it can come from a lot of things, um, but yeah, definitely for me, and I think for a lot of men and women, and was that and talking to my male friends. I had a really interesting sentence and it triggered me to begin with, but since then I fully believe in it, mm. that women play a, a huge role in, in um, men abusing their power and the way that masculinity is going at the moment. Mm. And the way that they explain, I was like, oh, what the fuck, no. And I remember the way that they say that is there is this massive wave of nice guys, right? There's toxic masculinity mm. and then there are men that are too afraid to assert their masculinity and there is this like like nice guys and I was thinking why is that and imagine you've got a woman imagine I didn't heal from my trauma and I have a child it's a boy and I'm saying and I'm kind of obsessively compulsively programming him to be a nice guy and to open the door for the ladies and make sure you don't do this and make sure you don't do this and almost programming and and if he gets a bit aggressive I'm like don't get angry because I'm so 
I'm so scared that he's gonna be like the guy that abused me. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think I'm doing the right thing, but I'm 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 what I'm doing is I'm not stripping him of toxic masculinity, I'm stripping him of feeling safe to express his emotions. And a lot of that is what creates toxic masculinity in the first place. Yeah, that duality effect of the pushing. And yeah, the yeah you think you're nurturing, but and you might be. And again, everything for a reason. Um, everyone has that shit to, to grow from, and that takes us to our destiny. But, you know, yeah, like our own trauma, through the best of intentions, can keep perpetuating that same trauma, because a lot of nice guys actually have a lot of rage, a lot of rage. And that was my last relationship from my perspective, he was like a nice guy, but a lot of rage. And he wouldn't often, it would come across as frustration, but it would never actually come out as anger burst. I remember saying, oh, oh he's so nice, you know, but it, it, it started to come out more and more and more and more, but it would never, it was still in the end, it was never these massive, Burst, and even yeah. in the end, when he left, there was no conversation about it. There, there was that inability to be able to like express no his emotions, yeah. you know. And I think that can be as damaging as someone that's excessively toxic and physically abusive. Definitely, yeah. yeah. You know, that's that feeling too scared to be in the Me Too movement <laughs> to the point where it's all the way over the other end, you know, and mm. not able to claim that their the assertiveness, you know, because and a lot of women say. I want the bad boys, I want the bad boys. I was like, I don't think you want a bad boy. I think you want someone that's assertive. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Someone that's assertive, someone that is confident and grounded. That, But they only get that. They're just in this. They've got bad guys and nice guys. That's it. That's all the thing mm -hmm. they have. They've probably only ever had one. And what the bad guy gave them was that dominance. And this is what we're doing. And this is what we're going to do. And with femininity like a lot of women love that i love that when i'm with theo like it, it's natural for one of us to take the polarity and one to to take one submissive and one dominant and then you can change and we do change yeah. you know mm. but when you've got a guy that's only nice in the nice guy and is so afraid for the assertiveness that woman needs to step up into her assertiveness so now she's taking the masculine role mm. yeah and as a woman we sometimes just want to like be ravaged and be explored and be you know, so a lot of time when you've got women that are unsatisfied, it can be because the, their husband has lost that assertiveness, that, that um, you know, that primal instinct that they had maybe when they first met, right? And they've come yeah. a bit complacent and it's kind of like, you know, just the nice guy. But mm. that assertiveness, you can, you can call on that whenever if you have access to your emotions, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've been dating for. Mm. So, yeah, it's... Um, that was really cool for me to, to hear, you know, women play that part and people might get offended by that, but that's fine. Um, I don't mean to cause offence, but I do believe in that and I don't yeah, think yeah. it's with mal ill intent. I think it's mm. we're trying to do the best, but we're trying to read all the anger out of men. But that's not, that's not the problem. Yeah. If you've got a knife, isn't the problem. It depends who you give it to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that what is I mean? True. Yeah. Anger is not a problem. If I've got someone and someone's coming to sexually assault me and I'm with my friend, Ben doesn't really exist. Ben, and he's a nice guy, and he doesn't like to cause conflict. I don't want to be with him when someone's going to physically assault me. I want to be with Greg, who is like can call on that assertiveness yeah. if he has yeah. to. Yeah. So there's a place for everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we can't. Yeah. Same with women with sensitivity. Yeah, there are women out there that are toxically sensitive and project and blame it on the men. It's because you don't fulfill my needs, and they're constantly like, save me, save me, save me. And there are also women that are driven by success. They are the, the, the breadwinner. Mm. 
there's no emotionality. I am empowered. I am independent. And and don't get me wrong, there are women that can have that with being feminine, but a lot of them can be this independence. I'm so empowered. I don't need a man. And there's this, the walls are up. There's no mm. femininity. There's no room for emotion in there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so it, it's the same on <clears throat> it's the same on both ends. You know. So. Yeah, I've learned a lot about the polarity of um, sexuality since I've been dating Theo. Mm. Um, because he was a guy that was in his like toxic masculinity with anger. And he's, he's seen guys that are over here because we tend to attract the opposite, right? Yeah. And now he's find his way in the middle by being able to assert himself, but not in a way that is... Um, detrimental or abusive to someone else yeah, but does it yeah. make him any less of a man you know yeah. he can still you can still have that anger and call on it when you need to it so you should yeah. no absolutely. no emotions yeah. should be gotten rid of like they mm. all have, have their, their place. purpose yeah. 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 yeah absolutely you know mm. that's what it's about expressing the full range of human emotion but if you don't feel safe if your mom's trying to make you a nice guy you're a good boy you're a nice boy you're a good girl yeah like you know yeah. that's women not expressing their boundaries too and shit like this is the perfect fucking pancake mix of like yeah. a shitstorm of things going wrong and everyone blaming the other gender. No, we're all involved. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're all involved. It's no one's fault, but it's all of our responsibility. Fault is past tense. Responsibility is future tense. Mm. It's yeah. all of our responsibility. It doesn't matter whose fault it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a lot of self, self, whole bunch of self-responsibility. This is where, like, the whole red pill society comes mm. in. Like, the... Um, just like kind of like a, I'm not sure if it's like a Reddit group or um, it's just a movement at the moment with the um, male side of things where they do understand that like there's the there's that nice guy and there's that, there's also that toxic masculine. But there's I believe that that's where the red pill society has kind of been founded from. Mm -hmm. So like even though I do understand there's the nice guy and there's the red pill alpha whatever. Um, the there's it's very important for you to understand that you have to be you have to understand your emotions to kind of be a true truly masculine to hold that masculine space and lead mm. but not do it in a way that's toxic or it's not in a way that's over assertive mm. and if you truly understand your own emotions whereas just like when you're taught when you're younger when you're experiencing rage you're like all right why am I angry where is this emotion coming from? Is there someone I need to sit down with? Why I should sit down with this emotion and truly feel and figure out where it's coming from? And, and also at the same time, like if you're a male and you're and you have big ambitions, you also have to you have to be able to draw the line between being assertive, um, assertive, and also what's the word I'm looking for? Pa um, assertive, passive, and letting people walk all over you because. At the end, and, and be agreeable, because you can't be overly agreeable. Because if you're overly agreeable, it makes it more difficult for you to achieve the um, uh, higher places—not not higher places, but if you're, um, if you have extreme ambitions, like if you want to be a CEO of a company, and you're making deals and you're trade and you're um, trying to lock down deals. Yes, you do have to be assertive, but you can't—you do have to be very assertive. At the same time, you can't be overly agreeable, because you have to know what you want. What's the best for yourself? What's best for your company? What's best for your people? And also have to find a good middle ground for the, for both both sides. So I truly that's why I kind of believe that you have to find that middle ground, understanding yourself, understanding your emotion, and connecting with your masculine energy 
but also spending the same amount of time and energy working with your own feminine. Mm. Understanding your own feminine energy in terms of like emotions, um, where you are, um, and that, that's where all the creativity comes from and the drive comes from the masculine. So if you don't have the, you, right, right now I feel like it's so polarized and people are not tr like. It's either one or the other. It's just one you or the other. Yeah, you I feel like I swing from back and forth all the time. Mm -hmm. I go very, very assertive, I'm like, oh, now I'm being aggressive, like, step back, and I'm yeah. like, yeah. what am yeah. I doing now? Now I'm just being, a, I said, not that word, to the word pansy, yes, but yes. now I'm just being too soft and too agreeable, and it's just like, my back is being all walked over, and I'm feeling this depleted within myself. Mm. And I go super assertive again. It's mm. like these weird cycles, I'm trying to, like, balance both of them of yeah. in, in a healthy yeah. way. Mm. Yeah. That's why a lot of creators, not why, but I find a lot of creatives that tend to be in their feminine and create extremely intuitive and um, artistic um, don't have the, or don't allow themselves to call on the masculine quality of asserting their artwork. Yeah. Mm. Tell people what you're doing. <laughs> you know, put your thing into the store or whatever. That's a very masculine trait. Or a mm. lot of people might be like, oh, I don't want to set goals. I just really enjoy doing my art. But also they're broke as fuck and they want to be earning money yeah. from what they're doing. But they're, they're too afraid to claim that and to kind of make a statement of here I am you know what I mean yeah. and put the action in behind it 100% and you've got people that are doing 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 and they're not feeling it all well, yeah. you know yeah. it's leading others by leading yourself right true that's the only way yeah. to do it now where can people find you by the way you can find me on my website which is rebeccadawnworrell.com and then my Instagram handle is at rebecca.dawn.worrell I tend to be on Instagram more often than not. And yeah, all the info is on my website uh, awesome. about how to work with me, like one-on-one -on -one yeah. workshops. Um, and then most of my content is on Instagram. And I've got my podcast too, which is called Be Empowered on yeah. Spotify, yeah, which is good. Um, so yeah, all of that is available on Instagram. All the links are kind of there. So. Yeah. And what's your next big project, your next big step that you're aiming towards right now? Mm. My next big step is creating a offer or a um, way of being able to bring people together or community together for the purpose of investigating into self in different er in different types of um, I guess potency so for example my next thing is a group program the next thing I've worked with a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients I work with a lot of workshops the next thing that I want to do is create something where it's like a group program where you can create you know a semi uh, private experience with me and really go into that um, really go in deep but be in the presence of community as well yeah. like well other people well. that are doing that with you I tend to work really well in groups mm -hmm. as an attendee as well um, and I'm also going to be doing my astrology um, studies for the next four years as well, which will be really oh, that sounds cool. exciting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, just where do you study that? So it's going to be online. And it's a four-year degree. Four years. That's four years. Huge. And you're already yeah. really good with astrology, so this is going to be yeah. like yeah, it's going to Supercharged. be next level. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's um, the, where this all started was the space of oh my god, everyone needs to know this. Like because that's mm. how I felt. I was like oh my god. How did I not know this? And I want to keep everything coming from that place within me because that's that child-like mm. place within me. And, yeah. and I, I feel that way about astrology. And, um, and I, and I, and I want to be able to, again, communicate that in a better way. So I love when play, things like that come from my excitement. Mm. It's the same thing with the, the sexual intimacy. I was like, everyone needs to know about this. Uh, that's nice. Theo's journey. 
And um, yeah, so I'm really excited to be working with astrology, breath work, and mm. yeah, bringing that Eastern philosophy in, just giving tools to. Yeah. Accident. When you're feeling drained, how do you kind of um, recuperate that energy? Um, Epsom salt bath, just um, meditating, um, no technology, just literally um, being, being as much as yeah. I can. I feel like nature is really good. It just knows what mm. to do. Yeah. You know, nature just knows how to realign yeah. you. Um, so I'll just go back into nature and just um, try to be, I think, just being as present as we can because that's where all the... the the, our life force comes yeah. from is from the, moment. the present, the, right? We yeah. eat food in the present, we drink in the present, you know, the more you're living in the past or the future, that's where your, your energy is going. So I feel like um, after, rather than dwelling on, oh, my workshop was so draining, I'll sit with the feeling of what it might feel like to be drained or to yeah. have less. And I feel like if I can kind of detach from the story, my energy will naturally start to come back because that's yeah. what my body wants. Oh, wow, okay. So the story okay. belief like, is that holding you back. Yeah, so as soon as I'm, I'm drained because of this, my body's like, oh, yeah. And, and it's a story. And I feel like if we buy into that story, we create a timeline. Or, you know, I broke my leg then. It's like, okay, well, if you believe in that story, then you're in space-time. And it means, okay, usually a broken leg takes this long to fix. And... Have you guys heard of Joe Dispenza? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know he fixed his own back with meditation in like mm. eight weeks. Yeah. Access that liberation within yourself. I really yeah. admire how you take action on all these things, like your yeah. workshops and your content and everything. So consistent. It's very inspiring to see. So. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. I really receive that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me onto your podcast. No worries. Well, it was Fat a chat. <laughs>